0: If you have your Bibles, I would like to invite you to take them and turn with me to Romans chapter 12 as we continue on in our series, what I call Gifts of Grace. Focusing on each one of the spiritual gifts that the Lord has equipped the church with for the building up of the body and for the glory of God. Welcome, good morning to every single one of you February is fun, isn't it? February equals fun. This is the month we get to practice how we walk across icy surfaces. That's a big benefit and blessing to the month of February. Every four Februarys, we get to watch curling on television. Is that a fun month or what? This is the month you organize You know the storage closet in your basement that you know we got to get to? That's the time that we do it. We have been making wise use of our time, tightening the loose handles on the pots and pans. All those things you get to do throughout the month of February. Celebrate, celebrate. Yes, gentlemen, we know what tomorrow is. Valentine's Day. Be purchasing flowers for your loved ones. We get to celebrate Abraham Lincoln's birthday yesterday. That was exciting. (laughs) A father, dad was a little frustrated with his son because his son was playing too many video games. And the dad said, you know what, son? When Abraham Lincoln was your age, he was reading classics, English classics, by the fireplace. The kid didn't even look up from his game, and he said, when Abraham Lincoln was your age, Dad, he was President of the United States. You know, I think as we consider the subject of spiritual gifts, let's, let's not be real quick at pointing fingers at other people. And let's allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us where each of us are when it comes to how he has equipped us just to be faithful with the gift that you have been given. Let me direct your attention to our text. I will not have the time to read it all, but let's pick it up in verse 6. It says, having gifts that differ. They're all different according to the grace given to us. Let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith. If service in our serving. The one who teaches in his teaching. Today we focus on the beginning of verse 8. The one who exhorts in his exhortation. The one who contributes in generosity. The one who leads with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. The one who exhorts in his or her exhortation. Would you bow your heads and pray with me as we launch into our text this morning. Father, we are again humbled that you have allowed us in your grace and mercy to be woken up one more day. We thank you, Lord, that in your grace and mercy you've allowed us to to gather here together. To lift up our voices in response and sing of your goodness and of your love. To sing of the work that Jesus has done on our behalf. I pray, Lord, for every single person that is here today that is hearing these words. I pray, Lord, that you would speak and... That every one of us would hear, that the focus would not be on an individual. I, I pray, Lord, that you would comfort those who are in need of comfort. Father those that need a loving, gentle chiding, or that they would hear from your spirit to, to get up and take steps toward you. I pray, Lord, for those that are struggling in illness and, and sickness and discouragement. I pray, Lord, that you would use the rest of the body to come alongside and to minister and to strengthen. Father, I just please ask for help this morning. Guide my words in my mouth. May everything that is said and done be for your glory. In your glory alone, we ask this in the amazing and matchless and wonderful name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen and amen. All of Romans, 16 chapters, verse 11, are doctrinal. We talked about that doctoral instruction the last uh, chapters 12 through 16 are the practical application how does our understanding of theology impact the way that we do church the way that we should be doing church together and we talked about what Romans 12 1 and 2 we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice we live in humble submission to the Lord's authority authority is a tough thing for us today nobody wants to be told what to do But God, we know, is what? Our ultimate authority. And he says, you live having offered yourself, all of yourself, not bits and pieces and fragments. Everything belongs to the Lord. Every breath belongs to the Lord. We know upon what? The greatest gift, upon the reception and the hearing and the receiving of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our lives are totally transformed. Not only have we been given a gift of salvation, and eternal life, and forgiveness, and, and redemption, and reconciliation. But God is actually, he is gifted. He's wrapped it up, put a bow on it, and he's given you, with your name on it, at least one spiritual gift. We've been learning, like, what is that gift? The, the challenge isn't even figuring out, like, what is my gift, or how do I use it? We know that the challenge is what? Pointing fingers at one another. The challenge is what? Having to use all of those gifts together. And yet we know like the beautiful bouquet of flowers that all the ladies will be receiving tomorrow. They're all different. Okay, different shapes and sizes and colors. But put together, oh, thank you, honey. I just love you. That's that's the receiving of this gift Learn as well. Just because if you don't have one particular gift, doesn't mean like that's it. I just kind of like surf through my social media uh, page or chapter, whatever it's called. You you know, doesn't mean you disengage because why? You're living and working alongside of one another. We talked about the gift of prophecy, the Spirit-given ability of interpreting and speaking the Word of God clearly and accurately. We talked about the gift of serving, the Spirit-given ability to identify unmet needs, to see those around us, make use of resources to meet those needs. Last week, we looked at the gift of teaching, the Spirit-given ability to communicate information relevant to the health and strength of the local church. Today, the one who exhorts in his exhortation. I think this is purposely broad in its description. Now there's, interesting here, there's the verb exhorts. He who exhorts, it's the Greek word parakaleia, which means to ask um, earnestly or to beg or to plead. And what's interesting is that the verb form he who exhorts moves to the noun form, what? Exhortation. It's paraklesis, which means what? Those that beg or plead with this idea of offering encouragement and comfort and consolation. So you have to almost take that and blend them together. Some translations change the word exhortation, and they say this. The NIV says, if it is to encourage, then give encouragement. Another translation says, if your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. I think that helps at some level because the word encouragement is more familiar to us than the word exhortation. But I don't think just the word encouragement offers the author's full intent. Which means what? Encouragement, yes. Yes, it's certainly a part of it. But there's more to it than that. Encouragement But there's more to it than that. Listen to Kenneth Weiss' expanded translation of the Greek New Testament. He says this, Or he who exhorts within the sphere of exhortation. Literally it means this, To call alongside, to come alongside, Or or calling someone to another person's side. And you're like, it's not really helping a whole lot. It's still a little blurry. My favorite wording, I think that is the the most helpful to explain how this gift is used best, best within the context of the local church, again, is Donald Gray Barnhouse, who writes a short chapter in his Roman series. And the title of the chapter on this very gift is called, and I quote, The Gift of Standing by. Uh-huh. I love it. This is the gift of standing by. So we um I was born, we were born in in um outside of Philadelphia. And at seven years old, we moved up to Nova Scotia, Canada. And what we did not know at the time is that when Kids are born, when babies are born in Canada, they're actually born with little tiny ice skates on their feet. I just think, like, poor mama, I mean, that is just tough. They're born with ice skates on their feet. By the time we were, what, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years old, we live in, we're going to what? When in Rome, so we're going to skate. And it was already like we were way too late. We were way too late. And so we would try to skate. And it was just humiliating and embarrassing to be a 7- or 8-year-old and have a 4-year-old just spin circles around you. But I, I do remember seeing something. I'm like, how like, how did this happen? Like those kids are like, they're like so little. How did this happen? Happen. And I remember I remember watching little, little, tiny ones, little ones, learning how to ice skate. So think about kind of a, a shaky, a scared, a wobbly student. And they would they would make their way, and as soon as there was any problem, I noticed they would lift up their hands. And as soon as they lift up their hands, the one who was teaching them would skate literally alongside and they would speak to them. Keep, keep your ankles straight. Keep, keep your feet keep your feet together. Keep your head up. Don't make fun of the older guy over there that can't skate. You can do this. You, you, you can do this. That, that's what it looks like. That is the gift of Of standing by. That's exhorting, that's encouraging, that's comforting. Here's our definition that we're going to use by way of a working definition of the gift of exhortation. It is the spirit-given ability to come alongside others and offer words of comfort, consolation, counsel that helps people in a way that they feel helped. Let me just pause for a moment. <clears throat> Think about this whole idea kind of coming alongside. Let me ask you a question. How, how, how important is this particular gift? Not taking anything away from the other gifts. How important is this gift, the gift of exhortation, in the local church of Jesus Christ today? Think about new believers recall not that long ago a new believer who was in fellowship regularly and worship regularly and they're they're praying to the Lord very specifically for like Lord please help us with this, please help us with this and please help us with this and Lord please help us with this and at some level the Lord doesn't answer that person's prayer the way that they thought it should be answered and the person disappears it's gone, they're gone They disappear. They're no longer in fellowship. They're no longer in worship. What was missing at some level? At some level. Someone to come alongside in seasons of discouragement that we are all and have all faced at some point in our lives. How important is this gift? When we're disappointed. Like, yeah, my life wasn't supposed to look like this. That's the moment that what we are to exercise this gift to come alongside. How how important is this gift in our own family? Husbands and fathers who are to be the what? The shepherds of their home. The protectors of their home. How important is it for you to demonstrate and exercise this gift to come alongside your wife who is totally at the end of her rope? How important is it for mothers to exercise their gift of exhortation with the teenage daughter or the rebellious son? How important is this gift for the older brother to come alongside his younger sister? You understand, like, this, this is what is needed within the church of Jesus Christ. How, how important is this gift, not just in the local church, not just in the family, how important is this gift in our own community and in the classrooms that we end up in every single day? When we live in a world that is surrounded by people who are depressed, who are downtrodden, and who are dying because they're killing themselves. Because they're believing a lie that Satan has whispered into them that says you're all by yourself. Nobody cares. Nobody knows. But, but if this gift is for what? It's for the building up. It's for the glory of God. Then we are to look for people. And we are to what? Their arms are going up. And we're to come alongside of them. This Is what the local Church of Jesus Christ is all about. The seekers, the skeptics amongst us, they're seeking answers to questions. And guess what? You, as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, have the answer. How difficult is it to drop what you're doing to come alongside someone else? This is why this gift is so important. Charles Evans Hughes was the 11th Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. He served for 11 years from 1930 until 1941. Strong believer, follower, faithful follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was appointed to the highest court in the U.S. He he moved from New York to D.C. And he did what any wise, godly man should do he transferred his membership from one church into another baptist church it just happened to be baptist okay so that he was what he was held accountable he would be shepherded and it was custom in that particular church interesting which is exactly the same custom that we have in our church that when we receive new members we bring them forward and we covenant together visibly so you can see it What was interesting is that on that particular day, the very first person to be called forward, to be received into into membership, was a little man. His name was Ah Sing, and he was a Chinese laundryman. He did laundry for people. He was the first one that was caught up to the front and then name after name and person after person came and every single person stood on the opposite side of the sanctuary and left him standing by himself until Justice Charles Evan Hughes walked up and he was the only one to stand next to the laundry man. The pastor was a wise man, never missing a teaching moment, stood before the congregation and said this, and I quote, I do not want this congregation to miss the remarkable illustration of the fact that at the cross of Jesus Christ, the ground is level. One commentator said, you see, Mr. Hughes behaved like a true Christian. He took his place beside the laundryman and by his act prevented embarrassment to the humble Chinese and showed, too, the love of Christ that he had this gift of standing by. I just, I just love this. Let, let me ask you, let me ask you, how... how, how how do you think this gift is needed today? In strengthening those who need strength. And, and what? Encouraging those who need encouragement. I, I, I don't think it is a stretch to say when we examine the landscape of the culture around us, I don't know if there's ever been such a needy time than right now. Biblical example of this first century follower, faithful follower of Jesus. His name was Barnabas. Remember Barnabas from the book of Acts? If you recall, um, the apostle Paul, remember he was the terrorist terrorist thug, Saul. And and no one would ever give Paul a second chance. He was the one, he he was hunting and killing Christians. Until he met the Lord Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. No one would ever listen to Paul. And I love these verses. Listen to this. In in Acts chapter 9, verse 26, when he, speaking of Paul, came to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the, the disciples. And they were all afraid of him. They did not believe that he was a disciple. This is underlined in my Bible. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. You, you see the, the questions? Like, yeah, this is just another scam. He's just trying to get in the inner circle. He's just going to wreck the place. He didn't talk like we talk. He didn't walk like we walk. But Barnabas, what? He comes alongside and he brought him. A couple chapters later in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 15, we know that there was a sharp disagreement that arose between Paul and Barnabas. Can you believe that disagreement's within the context of the work of the gospel? It says this in Acts chapter 15, verse 39, there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. The disagreement had to do with a a young believer. His name was John Mark. And it says this, Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. Once again, Barnabas just kind of, what, he has this gift, he just does this. The gift of standing by, one of my favorite biographers of um, biblical characters is Frank Mead. I've quoted to you many, many times from Frank Mead, and he says this on Barnabas. Listen to this. That was, that was not his name, Barnabas. Barnabas was a designation of endearment that literally means son of comfort. He traveled with Paul, and, and Paul liked him. He could preach. The people of the church liked him. He gave to the poor till it hurt. The first thing recorded of him is that he sold his farm and he gave the sale price to the church. Son of comfort. And no mistake, when he started out with Paul, with his nephew, John Mark, in tow, Barnabas seemed the best of the three. It was Barnabas and Paul are doing this or that. But ere long, Paul asserted himself and folks said Paul and Barnabas. Finally, it was only Paul is. They had quarreled over John Mark, over circumcision. They parted. Paul went on alone, and Barnabas sailed away unto Cyprus with cousin Mark. Sad but true. Family troubles and petty policies have wrecked more than one church, more than one missionary tour. Generals do quarrel on the eve of battle. Listen to this. Years later, they wonder why. Paul wondered why. Years after he spoke affectionately of Barnabas and John Mark came back to Paul and Barnabas had a hand in that. You see, again, that's this this picture, this image. We've heard it described like this. If prophecy explains truth, excuse me, a prophecy proclaims truth and teaching explains truth, then exhortation encourages people to obey and follow the truth. Just think for a moment, isn't isn't this exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us? He came and he stood by us. John chapter 1, it says what? The word became flesh and he dwelt among us. He saw what? The condition of mankind. And he came alongside. Philippians 2 says he humbled himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of man. You see, this this gift has gospel all over. This is what Jesus Christ has done for us. Hebrews chapter 4, we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted just as we are, yet without sin. When you think that you've crossed the line, when you think it's too much, the shadows are too dark, the clouds are too heavy, that's when the Lord Jesus Christ comes alongside. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, for our sake... He made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. See, see that's what Jesus Christ did for you. He came and he stood by us living a perfect life and dying, paying the price for your sins and my sins to atone and to draw us into close relationship to save us we examine we do this and hopefully it hopes that before we examine some of the the strengths of this gift and some of the weaknesses that we need to be aware of i want to remind you that this this particular gift this is not hard some of you i know last week like i don't know about the whole gift of teaching thing that might be a little bit outside and understandable. This particular gift, this is not hard. Remember, the Holy Spirit empowers us, and he equips us. Our job is just be willing to to submit. We are the living sacrifice. It It is so not hard. I would even say this, you know what? This gift is easy. Well, how easy is it, you ask? That's a great question. Let me tell you how easy it is. Like most parents with a big family, when, when all four of us kids grew up, went to college, left home, got married, there's that whole empty nest thing that, that, that some parents go through. Like, hmm remember when my mom, who was so used to like making huge bowls of mashed potatoes for the whole family. And, and it was just her and dad at the table. And, and she was making dinner and, and it was just the two of them. And she put down a bowl. It was like a, a massive bowl. And he just looked at her like, and they just, they just started crying together. It's way too much. This is totally new for us. They, they, they admittedly were lonely. So they do what empty nesters do. They, they went out and they got a golden Labrador retriever who, who literally, literally, physically followed them wherever they went. They went for a walk. There, there, there was the dog. Go down to get the mail. Go down to the barn. Just sitting and having coffee. And, and he was right there. Never, never left their side. His name was Barnabas. They called him Barney. And I I got to thinking about that. Dogs don't have souls. Dogs aren't created in the image of God. Dogs don't have the Holy Spirit in them. Maybe a little bit of the devil in them. But at, at some level, I'm like, if, if the idea of coming alongside can even be accomplished by a little tiny puppy. And, and don't for a moment just think like, so all I got to do is give somebody a puppy and then I'm, I back off, right? That's all I have to do. No, 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 that's not it either. But don't, don't, don't sell yourself short here. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. If, if, if a puppy can do this, certainly you, gifted and called and created and designed and equipped and empowered. I, I've heard it described like this, that oftentimes it just begins with a ministry of presence. It just begins with a ministry of presence. And it's in that, Pastor Aaron alluded to earlier in Romans chapter 8, that the Holy Spirit gives us the words to say. That uplift and encourage. You today sitting here this morning. In the most boring month of the entire year. May have the gift of exhortation. If you have a basic motivational drive to come alongside. If there's something inside of you that says I want to encourage believers. To both know and trust and to grow in Christ. Then you may be one of these people. And I I would say that this particular gift works its way through churches and should all over the place. There's there's not just like a few here. I've heard it described what exhorters often seek to stimulate that growth by discipling, by teaching, and counseling. This is actually what happens. If if you have this idea that you regard a, a trial... If you see a a tough moment as simply an opportunity for growth, and you just love to express love by making yourself available, like, I I don't know really what to do, I'm just going to come alongside, then you may have this gift. I think of people within our own body. I think of Sue Omer. How how many people have she just kind of swooped in alongside of over the years in Angela and Trumbull has this gift that just kind of like, you know what? If you're struggling, I'm going to be there. A Tara Newman, a Craig Brady. How many men have been rescued? Through the testimony of someone who's just faithful to exercise the gift. That they're willing to put down the chainsaw and come alongside the Harley Englerts amongst us. There are strengths to this, amazing strengths. Give you a couple of them if, if, if you're willing and eager to come alongside a brother or sister in Christ, particularly during a difficult circumstance. That is a huge strength. Like you're willing because you see the importance that for some reason the ache and the hurt is at some level part of your responsibility a part of the body of Christ. It says in Scripture that we are to bear one another's burdens and what? So fulfill the law of Christ. Another strength of someone who has the gift of exhortation is that they're not easily discouraged. And I love that. Why? Because they, they're always pointing people towards God's sovereignty. This is their favorite attribute or characteristic of God God is in control and they see see trials in a positive light God's at work here the world doesn't talk like that the world doesn't think like that that's opposite in difficult times God's doing something people with the gift of exhortation see that it's a huge strength another strength is that they're very quick to give thanks in everything, give thanks. This is the type of person who can find somehow there's a, there's a ray of sunshine even through the darkest of clouds, giving thanks in all seasons and circumstances. Another strength is they understand the importance of reading and studying the Word of God because they understand and they know that the truth of the Word of God is not just about gaining more information. The Word of God is about transformation. It's what? It's coming alongside someone on the journey. It's a journey of being transformed into likeness, to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Like any strength, there's always weaknesses. And I think some of those weaknesses I've I've listed, they can oversimplify a particular solution. Like, like, don't worry about this. Like, maybe it it is something heavy that you do have to journey with them. Sometimes they're so intent on telling someone how to view a particular situation from God's perspective that they forget to even consider it from their own angle or they even don't listen to one's viewpoint. One of the weaknesses is they can be so intent on moving a person forward in their journey. They can offer the, the quick fix. A formula, okay, which I, what I want you to do, this is tough, so you, I want you to read this verse. I want, I want you to pray this. I want you to make two phone calls and call me in the morning, okay? Let me know how it goes. That At some level, some of the weaknesses is that it's formulaic, that if you do A, B, and C, then hey, good's got to. And, and again, all strengths and weaknesses, they can be revealed and manifested made known in, in a lot of the spiritual gifts that are out there. Exhorters also can be a, a little bit, because they do love and they do empathize, they, they can be a little bit naive and, and they can even be manipulated. Sadly, some people who are in need of encouragement can, can take advantage of. So they're, they're the ones who are willing to answer my text in the middle of the night. And, and sadly, they can be taken advantage of. I think finally, another... Weakness we need to be aware of. And I, I think like any one of us. But they're so intent. They, they want so badly for the word of God to provide. The, the next step of action in the journey. Is that they kind of shortcut. You could almost say. They, they could, they, they're the ones who could take a verse of scripture. And kind of yank it out of context. I can do all things through Christ. You know the ones who get the tattoo on their arm. I can, nothing's impossible with God. And that's, it's true. But, but you, you can't. You, there's more to it than that. That's why we don't just take one little and we yank it out. How, how, do, how do I personally put this? Like, how do I know sitting here today? I, I would trust each one of you would understand the importance and I would, I would hope that you would hear the intensity and, and its intentional intensity. That my fear, and, and I do not use that word lately. my fear is for any one of us who have been literally gifted by God a spiritual gift. And you're squandering it. Which means you're not using it. Which means you, you see people in need around you. And you're, you're too busy. In this particular setting. My, my, my fear is that you will have to stand before the Lord... And he said, I, 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 I called you unto myself. I adopted you to be my own child. You were, you were helpless and, and hopeless. You were homeless. And I brought you in. And I gifted you this. And you, you worked on your matchbox collection. I, I just fear, honestly, my, my word of caution at some level, like, like you got to be doing what God has called you to do. We don't want to be a church, ever, that has become gluttons of just receiving without using all the gifts that God has given to us. How do, I, how do I figure out? It's a lot like swimming. We talked about in order to commit yourself to learn how to swim, you're going to have to get in the water because there's only one way to learn how to do the Same idea. Learn how to exhort. N- number one, pray for an opportunity. And let me, let me just encourage you. You won't have to pray very long for an opportunity of how to exercise this gift. Lord, please reveal to me someone who is in need. Thank you. Amen. Oh, Look. Like that's, and I'm not being flippant, like you can pray, but there's lots of opportunity. Remember the puppy. Look for people in need. Which, Which I will maybe help you a little bit, remind you, stop looking at yourself. Wow, did he like get cranky this morning or did he like have too much coffee this morning? No, no. We're going to all, somebody came up to me at work day yesterday, Tim Owens, and he goes, 78.8 years, right, Tim? Right, Pastor Tim? Like, that's all we got here. I said, actually, Tim, it's down to 78.7. We better get to work. You're going to stand before the Lord. Stop looking at your own problems and begin to look on how you can minister into other people's lives. Thirdly, I think this is probably the most practical. Learn to listen well. Which means not don't look for the solution, don't look for the formula. Read these three verses and call me in the morning, okay? Learn to, to listen well and be patient in the process of journey with them now for nine days. And it just doesn't seem to be like moving. No, that's not gonna cut it. Talk to me after nine years. Learn to listen well and be patient. Finally, wait on the Lord. And I believe that he will give you a sense of joy that you have never experienced before. Because you are what? Y- you are you are being obedient. You've learned to die to self, to be the living sacrifice. Not only will the Lord give you a sense of joy, but you will also hear the testimony of how others confirm and affirm in you the blessing that you are. I simply do not have the time, but I can think of chapters in my life. Seasons of darkness, like tough. Yeah, I don't like this, I don't want this, and, and I can see the faces. I can see the name as it comes up on my phone. Want to do lunch? How you doing? Praying for you. And I, I stand before you this morning because of people who have come alongside and have committed to journey with me. And I praise the Lord for that. May that be the testimony of every single one of us. Father, we love you. We just pray and plead for your help to direct us and be obedient for your glory and for the building up of the body of Christ. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.